Thank you, be seated. <clears throat> Go ahead and turn to John 21. John 21. We are thankful to see this good number this morning. Certainly an honor and privilege to be in the Lord's house. I've already enjoyed the good Sunday school lesson. Uh, certainly we pray that I would have a better understanding and uh, even how the writer brought out that, you know, we are to apply ourselves and we all need to probably apply ourselves a little more. I know I do. So you pray that I would do that and that I could have a better understanding and wisdom. Uh, wisdom is something I've always tried to teach my children. Pray and ask God for wisdom. He gives it away. So ask God for it and then you apply yourself study because that's where it's found is in scriptures. But <clears throat> Wonderful song service. You know how I feel about that. You've encouraged me this morning. John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. I tell you what, sometimes whenever you're doing what you're comfortable doing and nothing's going right, God has a way of speaking our heart through that. God has a way of showing us that, hey, pay attention to what you need to pay attention to. They went fishing, and they caught nothing. Sometimes nothing speaks volumes. Verse 6, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Sometimes abundance speaks volumes as well. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. And he cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship, but they were not far from land, but as it were, two hundred cubits, dragging the nets with fishes. And as soon as they would come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid their own, and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then coming and taking bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had died, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. 
He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Notice Jesus didn't say, Yeah, Peter, I know you do. He said, Feed my sheep. You know, it's often assumed that Peter quit preaching and went back to his old lifestyle. And I know I've mentioned that many times, at least that's my feeling on the matter. And I have no problem with that, and it surely would seem to be the case. But this morning, let's stay with what we know, not just what we assume about this, okay? First of all, Peter had gone fishing today. We don't know how many other times he'd gone, or if he had, or if he planned on going back to preaching tomorrow. We, we don't have a way of knowing that. Of course, you know, we kind of make some assumptions based on how Jesus asked the question. But Peter had gone fishing today. We know this about him, Brother Mike, that Peter had told all night without catching a thing. And again, sometimes that speaks volumes. What am I doing out here? Why am I not catching any fish? I know how to catch fish. This is how I make my living. This is how I made my living up until I began to preach. This is what I know. I should be catching fish, but I haven't caught anything. Nothing. You know, you imagine dragging nets in the sea, and you didn't catch anything. Brother Joy, we at least caught some stingrays, didn't we? I mean, they caught nothing. Nothing. And so sometimes that speaks volumes. Peter caught all night. He hadn't caught anything. And Peter was at least naked enough I've heard everybody try to preach clothes on him. The Bible said he was naked. I don't know what else you do with it. He was naked. At least he was naked enough that he thought it was best to put some clothes on when he realized the Lord was speaking to him. And I don't know how else to say that except just exactly what Scripture said. He was naked. He put on a fisher's coat whenever he knew that the Lord was around. And so... We know that to be a fact. That took place. We also know that Peter is not feeding the flock of God in a way that satisfies the Lord. Sometimes we may do things in a way satisfy ourselves a little bit, but what he was doing at this present time today did not please the Lord. He was not doing it in a satisfactory way. Peter was in such a state that the Lord questioned his love for him. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, you need to feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know, I can see very well why that would grieve you the third time. I've already asked you twice on this. You're going to ask me again in front of everybody? You're going to call me out in front of all these people? It grieved him. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Again, he didn't say, yeah, I know you do. He said, feed my sheep. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what the Lord had already taught. And we know this. And so, just because you say you love the Lord does not mean that you love the Lord. Just because you may do things that satisfy you a little bit does not mean you're satisfying the Lord. And so, we need to take a good look at our lives and say, does my life... Please the Lord. 
not just, you know, satisfactory to what, you know, I'm kind of living up to the standards of everybody else. I kind of, you know, am run-of-the-mill Christian today, but am I satisfying the Lord with my life in a way that He knows that I love Him? So Peter was at least distracted enough that the Lord had to call him out and refocus him. Now we know the Lord loves, loves Peter. No question about that. The Lord loves His disciples. And I don't believe He was just, you know, holding Him over the coals either. I, I believe He's refocusing Him because He's gotten off track a little bit. He has refocused Him on the souls of men. Peter, I called you to be a fisher of men. In fact, we as the church, we've all been called to be fishers of men. Not just us preachers. We've all been called to be fishers of men. And, and we, we all have been called. We are the light of the world. We're to shine a light for the lost world to see. And that's all Jesus is doing is showing him that you need to refocus back on the souls and the purpose that I gave you. Peter was not fishing for men in a way that pleased the Lord. Now, I want to focus on these words this morning. Lovest thou me more than these. You've probably heard that preached on before. I've heard other preachers use that title. Uh, I didn't go listen to some other preacher and say, I think I'll preach what he would have me to preach. This is the burden that's been on my heart throughout the week. Lovest thou me more than these. What's Jesus talking about? Well, first of all, Jesus is eating fish. So he must not be too concerned about fish. It's not the fish that's the problem. He eats it and offers fish. And he tells them, go get the fish that you have caught and bring it up here and let's cook it. So it's not necessarily the fish. Jesus told Peter to go on one occasion, go fishing. And he's also said, go back and get the fish you just caught. So he's not saying, you know, it's a sin for you to be out fishing now. So it's not fishing necessarily that the Lord wants you to focus on. Let me see if I can break this down. Let's take Scripture and interpret Scripture. The Bible speaks about money. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. I've heard people say, I tell you what, money's evil. Money's not evil. We need money. We use money all the time. You have to have a, a certain amount of it to be able to get around in this world. Jesus had to have some to pay his taxes. Oh. So it's not money that's evil, but it's the love of money. It's when you get your heart set on money. I, I believe the same thing could be said here about the fish. He has refocused his heart on a different purpose. On, on, not on the Lord's purpose, but on his own purpose. And Jesus said, look, you love me more than your own self. Do you love me more than your own purpose, your own feelings? Do you love me enough to do what I want you to do instead of what you want to do? In this case, love for Jesus was being undermined by the love of these. Let's look at these this morning. When fishing takes our focus away from souls, it is in the way. Maybe one day, Lord, let me buy another boat. I don't know if He will. May not. I sold my boat. 
I sold myself. There was a time where I was getting to where fishing was my life. Y'all know that. Uh, I'd come preach and then I get through. It's time to go fishing. And, you know, go about once or twice, three times a week if I possibly could. And the Lord stopped me in my tracks. You know, there's a time I went for a whole year and didn't catch a fish. That never happened to me in my life. I, I was kind of had a reputation. My kids knew me as, Daddy's going to at least catch one fish wherever we go. But it got to where I was not catching anything. Lord speaks volumes in that. I stopped. God, what, what's wrong? I know how to fish. Why am I not catching anything? And the Lord showed me where my focus is not in the right place. And I'm telling on myself big time this morning. But may y'all forgive me. God already has. But he, I went for a whole year. Didn't go fishing a time. Because I knew. Lord did it with me on that. Again, I, I want to emphasize that there's nothing wrong with fishing. There's nothing wrong with eating fish, catching fish, going fishing. As long as our focus is in the right place. But when our focus is not in the right place, we can make anything a sin. I want everybody here, you listen to that this morning. You young people especially, we can make anything a sin. And so, when fishing takes our focus away from souls, it's in the way. When, when making a dollar off of the fishing industry become the focus with Peter maybe it took his focus away from lost souls you need to get back to feeding my sheep that's got to be important when having a good time with our buddies become more about good time than it is about being in the center of God's will and let me be real careful with this uh, you can have wonderful fellowship with your buddies on the boat we got to make sure where our focus stays. We are God's people wherever we are. Um, but we can't let it get in the way. Every child of God in this building, if you didn't hear that, listen to me, because if you're saved, you are a child of God. Every child of God in this building, and even maybe... I'm going to add to it because there might be somebody listening on sermon audio a little bit later. Even outside of the building, we have been called to win souls. We have been called to be the light of the world. We have been called out. The word church, that's what it means. We are called out. We are a different group of people with a diff different purpose than the rest of the world. The rest of the world can go about their business and have a ball and enjoy sin and live up life. We cannot. We are called out. And whenever we get away from that purpose, the Bible even gives us something called church discipline that we are to take care of that so that the church will see. Oh, don't you judge me, Brother Brad. This Word of God judges you whether you like it or not. It judges you. And so we are to live by the Word of God. So Proverbs 11 verse 30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Talked about understanding this morning. We've been studying on wisdom. God said wisdom is winning souls. A soul winner is wise. A, a naked Peter on a boat full of men focused on fishing and not on souls was not a tree of life for anyone. 
So let's turn to us and see. Lovest thou me more than these? We're going to get very personal this morning. So you may see my face flush a little bit under the pressure and the weight of the message, but that's okay. Uh, you saved mamas in the building. Saved mamas. You have precious children, and you are a tree of life in their life unlike anybody else. So let's start there. Do you love those souls more than self? It is, it's sad we live in a world today where you even have to ask that question. But you know the Bible gives us some very firm doctrine. And it said the older women teach the younger women to love their wife, love their husbands, to love their children. Teach it. <laughs> what if it's not taught? What if it's not taught for generations? <laughs> we get a world just like it is today. Where you don't have women that love their husbands or love their children like they used to. And we say, that's just common sense. If it was, God wouldn't say teach it. We're to teach it. It's to be passed down. And so, do you love them more than Facebook? <laughs> Some of you looking thinking, what in the world is Facebook? <laughs> Some of us know. Some of us know very well what it is. It's called social media. Social media is where we have a status. And we are very busy keeping up that status. What is a status? That's how we're perceived in the world. And we want the world to look at us and think, man, we got all our ducks in a row. We got everything just perfect. Our pictures are picture perfect and if they're not we got filters that can change our appearance to look like we want it to look if I want to I can go on there and add a filter and I can look like I'm 150 pounds well that's a lot easier than losing weight <laughs> but it's not the truth But a lot of times we portray ourselves just that much of a lie. And everybody in the world is beginning to believe it. That's the way life is. Everybody's picture perfect. No, we're not. We're not. I, I was at Paul B. Johnson a year or two ago. I don't remember. A few years now. And there was a young lady come down and I mean had her hair all twisted up and just you know, she like she's going to be, you know, Hollywood Boulevard or something. Just, I mean, all dolled up. She had fishing rods that I can't afford. I know what they are. I can't afford them. And she set her little stage there. She put her all her lures, just laid them out just right and pole there and everything. And she sat there and she took pictures for 30 minutes. And when she got through, she packed it all up and left. <laughs> that, that's what we're dealing with today. And I, I tell you, often those pictures on the wall paint a fairy tale home. Smiles say, wonderful. Behind the scenes, home is ugly. 
Does the spiritual well-being mean more than getting perfect pictures of the day? Who would ever thought you'd preach a message like that? <laughs> but do you love them more than these? Do you love your children, your husband, the souls around you? Do you love them more than the old life? Do, do you love them more than selfish desires? Do, do you love them more than these? Wives, love your husbands. Teach the young wives to love their husbands, to love their children, because this is sound doctrine. You know Psalm 128. You ladies don't get all uptight because I'm going to turn and look at us men in just a minute. But Psalm 128 verse 3 says this, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about the table. That's a simple enough little verse. It gives us a picture. Olive branches always represent peace. You know the home is supposed to be a peaceful place. And the wife, she's the fruitful vine round by the, the house and the children are like the olive plants round about the table. A lot of homes today don't even have a kitchen table. No need for it. I tell you what, there's a lot of things you can learn gathered around a peaceful table. Having a meal with your family. It's a very wonderful thing. And wives, that, that's a responsibility. Peace in the home. Mama is fruitful. She's a fruitful vine, not just a vine. She's a fruitful vine. She has brought peace to those babies' hearts. She's winning them to the Lord. She is wise. Now, I, I can't tell you the value of a peaceful home. Brenda and I talked about that before we ever got married. We're going to lay out some ground rules, some standards. This is the way we want our home to be. Not everybody. Look, I'm not telling you you've got to follow in my footsteps to be, you know, to have a home. I'm just telling you what has worked for us is looking to the Word of God. Did we make a hunter doing that? Absolutely not. But we looked at the Word of God. What does it say? Well, I don't like that. It don't matter. It's the Word of God. I'm going to live by it to the best of my ability. And I tell you, I can't tell you the value of a peaceful home. A wife and mother working daily on the spiritual lives of her children. I cannot tell you the value that, that that's there. Teaching them, raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is a responsibility, Mama. That's a responsibility that belongs to you. Raise them up in the nurture and admonition of all. Not just you. You have a part. Putting the fishing and the ball games and the vacations in their proper place. Notice I didn't say we shouldn't do those things. They are good in their place. And, and I think a good mama, a good daddy sees and finds time to be with their family and to enjoy some things, but they have to be in their place. You put them in the place of the Lord and they are out of order. And then you'll wonder why in the world you're not catching fish or why in the world things not working like they ought to work. 
Or why is my home falling apart? Or why have I got so much trouble in the home? Get these things out of order and you looking for chaos. Lovest thou me more than these? These other things that distract us from feeding the sheep. Daddies, we are the spiritual leaders of the home. But Brad, I, I, I think I, my wife does a better job than that. Oh, There's a part of me that says my wife knows how to do everything better on every level. Just let her do it all. Let, let her do it. Because she does it better. And there's a part of her she has to fight. She thinks that too. And so uh, she she thinks, you know, don't don't worry about it. I got it. Or whenever I come in and try to do it, she comes in and does it behind me and tries to do it better. And so I'm, well, you know, if you got it, you got it. And, and yet, none of that changed the fact. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. None of that changes the fact we all have our responsibilities and if a home is going to be the home, and we're going to be concerned about the souls in our home and those that God blesses us to in our neighborhood, then we've got to do it God's way. Real quick, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, at least the first 16 verses. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. Now before y'all throw rotten tomatoes at me, this is God's Word. This is not me. God's Word. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every other woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying having his head covered dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head for that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her be also shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judging yourselves, is it common that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom. Neither the church of God. Now, there's a lot in that we're not going to deal with in the next five minutes. But the issue that we are going to look at this morning is headship. Husbands, daddies, me. That, that's me. I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a daddy. I've got uh, what I say is a grown girl, but she still looks to daddy. Still, I still have a responsibility to her. She's still my daughter. Now I've got a grandbaby coming along, five months old. I look at that little fella and I think, boy, he's got a soul. One day he's going to need Jesus. That's how we should look at them. Uh, I've got two boys. 
One's about to get married in three weeks or less. It's coming quick. About to get married and he's off preaching this morning. And all I can say is thank the Lord uh, that, that I trusted God with my children. There's times whenever I wanted to just pull them up and do what I wanted and God said no. I had to train them. I had to teach them. I've got a 15-year-old. Me and him have had some conversations recently uh, that made him probably angry with me. And, uh, and yet, I pray that he'll understand. This is the will of God. Will of God. Sometimes you have to do things, Brother Mike, that you hard to do. As a daddy, as a husband, uh, you are the spiritual leader of the home. You... you or to look to God for direction. That is my responsibility. It don't belong to anybody else but me. It's my responsibility to look to God and ask Him, how am I supposed to leave my home? What do you want out of me? When something is not right in the home, it falls upon me first. It's not all my responsibility all the time, but it does fall on me first. And so... That's a lot of responsibility just, just standing here saying it. It's a lot more whenever you have to be a man and enforce it. Or maybe enforce is the wrong word. To teach it. To teach it. And then to back it up with an example of a lifestyle. I, I had to make the hard decision to follow God's word raising my kids. It's cute watching your kids get away with murder. But it's not right. And whenever they get to be adults, it's not cute when they think they can still do it as adults. So we have to train them the way God says. And there was time I, I'm responsible for saying we're going to church. We're, we're going. My kids don't get up and wonder, are we going today? They, they know. We're going. We're going to church, Lord willing, unless we sick, running fever. Uh, there's this thing called COVID going around. Unless we're going to scare everybody to death, we may uh, make other decisions. But thank the Lord, Sabrina come along and she backed that up. Um, I'm responsible for saying no, no. I've got a five months a lot harder with them grandbabies. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so far I haven't had to say no, no to them yet. But I know it's coming, and I can already look in them eyes, and I think, how in the world am I ever going to be able to say no to that little fella right there? But it's for his good. It's for his good. I'm responsible for God. And to God, I, I'm sorry. I'm about to get a little bit emotional, but I, I'm responsible to God, to his word, to teach it in my home. And so are you, man, whether you like it or not. We are responsible for it. If you don't want an adult today, and that's one of these sayings, I tell you what, if you got that, we need to throw that away. I don't want an adult today. Tough. Tough. It is our responsibility for a Christian, not just to adult, but to adult as Christ would. And we need to be willing to fill those shoes. To, to do Christian adult stuff. It is not God's will that we stay kids forever. Uh, can you be kid at heart? Absolutely. 
Can you still have fun? Absolutely. Can you still enjoy life? Absolutely. But there's some responsibility that kids don't have that adults do. And we've got to take that up. See, the devil is destroying homes. In many cases, he has just convinced us all to go fishing. He didn't come along and say, you need to go out and destroy your home. You, you, need to, you, you need to go get drunk. That's what you need. It's not He comes at us and directly, you need to try to destroy your home. He comes along and He says, I tell you what, things just not going right. You go check out why. Ain't nothing wrong with going fishing. There's nothing wrong with just checking out. I think the devil has convinced a lot of us men, women, He's convinced us just to go fishing. Quit worrying about everything. Go fishing. And while we do that, He's stirring the pot and He's pricking hearts and He's throwing up temptations all around and somebody else come along and they'll tend to the home. Somebody else will come along and they'll step in. So, just hide on the cell phone. When I say go fishing, I'm not just talking about getting on a boat. Understand that. Just get on the cell phone while the whole world falls apart. Just get on that phone. Pretend like everything's okay. It's a lot easier to, to play house than it is to have a home. And that's what a lot of people do. We've got this tool that we're able to play house while the home's falling apart. I want to encourage you this morning. Snap out of it. Wake up. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. You got some feet, some sheep to feed. We need to make sure they get fed. We'll ask for some.